Well, good morning, everyone. It's, it is good to see those who are here, and uh, we want to welcome to those who are still watching online. I wonder when we will stop saying that, actually, <laughs> uh, because we will continue to record uh, for those who can't make it to a church service. So, um, but at a point, we'll come where we don't say that anymore. Um, last week, for those uh, who were able to watch or uh, who were here, uh, you would have uh, saw that we uh, finished this, the summit series. And we finished at Everest um, in our Romans 8 pinnacle series. And the catch cry for me that stood out for that was, if God is for us, who is against us? If God is for us, who, is a, who can be against us? And it's a timely reminder, I think, these words that they're on our lips and on our hearts as we move into Christmas. And for a Christmas, we capture again the beginnings of how we can know the truth of this in our lives. Uh, leading up to Christmas, uh, we wanted to focus on these words, love, joy, peace, hope, um, and that each of them, as we've just sang, has a name, and that name is Jesus. We want that to be on our hearts and minds. Um, leading up to Christmas in our household, uh, we love to prepare our home. Uh, most count sleeps. We count sleeps until we can put the Christmas tree up. I don't know if there's any other households like that at all. Um, and I think the measure of this is this picture up here. Uh, is how strong it's been in our family. Now, these pictures are from our two daughters, Abby and Emerson. They sent pictures to us of their Christmas trees up. And I would note, it was before the 1st of December. <clears throat> and secondly, Emerson actually lives with us, but she put up a Christmas tree anyway, uh, upstairs. Um, and so it's, it's something that is really strong in our household, this preparation leading up to Christmas. The other thing that happens is, you know, that we put up fairy lights or Christmas lights um, and the tree, but also things start to appear in our house, little ornaments and uh, other decorations. And so, uh, you know, so much so that this year, Joe and I actually worked on a project together and the, the climax or the, uh, the work of that turned out to be a Christmas uh, uh, mantelpiece. Well, this is what the picture looks like now, if you have a look. So I had to build this fireplace in our place so that we had somewhere to put our Christmas stockings. Um, and anyway, it does look quite pretty. Um, but the other thing that happens at this time of year is these words, love, joy, peace, hope, start to appear. And they appear in our house in little nooks and crannies. But we, but we also see that they appear hanging in streets and they feature on our Christmas cards as well. Um, and it, for me, as I started to reflect more on this, I thought, what is it about these words? What is it that they capture Christmas, the spirit of Christmas? And why does a world that is more and more pulling away from the meaning of Christmas we know, still put these out at this time of year. You know, last week Danny touched on love in the context of Romans 8, 
where we were reminded of these incredible words. Who shall or who can separate us from the love of Christ? Today, we're going to look briefly at the word joy. You know, in the book of Luke, uh, he gives a very full account of the events that lead up to the birth of Jesus. You know, we read how Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph, Zachariah all have either uh, dreams or angels appear to them to prepare them for what was about to happen. Um, and this pre- theme, I think, of preparation continues. Um, as we pick it up in Luke 2, 8, we read these words, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. For me, there's this sense of preparation again. You know, the angel, just as we prepare our homes, but the angel is preparing the shepherds and, and encourages them to go find this child about what was to come. I wonder why they used the word joy, the, or the angel when they said that, and not happy, or some other word. Why joy? You know, our understanding from a worldly point of view is that joy means a feeling of great pleasure or happiness. So let's just play with this for a moment. Let's put those words in here. I bring you good news that will cause a great feeling of pleasure and happiness for all the people. I don't know about you, but it doesn't fit. I don't know, does anyone else feel that? It doesn't. It doesn't actually fit or sound right. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is that the word joy in the New Testament doesn't mean what we've just said it does. It means, in the Greek, to experience grace. And for those of you who are connected with Cairo, you would recognise that Cairo means rejoice and the root word here is Cairo. And it means to literally experience God's grace, to be conscious to be glad of his grace, to delight in God's grace. So let's do it again. I bring you good news that will cause great awareness, great recognitions, a great experience of God's grace. Oh, there's joy in that for me. That's why when Peter said these words, uh, talked about joy, he called called it an inexpressible and glorious joy. 
And this word joy is the same one again, where we are properly aware of God's grace. In fact, this joy you cannot experience unless you know God's grace. Wow. Is that beautiful? And gives such deep meaning to it. The good thing about this, this, sorry, not the good thing, this announcement continues. The announcement goes on to say, Today in a town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You know, and this aligns with what we read in John 1, where the Word became flesh, that is, Jesus came and he made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of happy feelings. No, full of grace and truth. Jesus was and is the means by which this cause of great joy would be administered to the world. Now, Jesus told a parable, in Luke, and it's recorded in Luke 15, about a lost sheep. And I'll just read that for you. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. When he finds it, this lost sheep, he joyfully, he Cairo, puts this on his shoulders. Again, it's this experience of God's grace, God's favour. And we are conscious of it. We are glad for it. The experience, though, of joy happens when the lost is found. When the lost is found. That which was lost, that which needs saving, experience God's grace. Understanding or knowing joy, a biblical joy, we have to come to a place where we understand, acknowledge we are lost. That we need to be found. We need a saviour. A saviour sent by God at God's expense. You know, there are many pictures in Scripture given to us about this state of being lost. And they all represent one thing, one simple truth. We fall short of God's glory. That's why we are lost. That's why we're in darkness. That's why we are sinful before a righteous and loving God. In each case, we can do nothing personally to earn righteousness, to be right before God. And so we depend totally on God's grace, which is his unmerited favour towards us. And it's summed up in this familiar verse in Romans. For we all fall short of God's glory and are justified freely 
by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Billy Graham put this together, these sort of words together in this way. The motive of grace, the infinite, compassionate love of a merciful God. But the work of grace was the death of Christ. There's nothing we can do. Once we have found God's, uh, once we have found and know God's grace, we no longer, it's interesting how we no longer struggle to call ourselves sinners. But to the world, it's offensive to be called a sinner. But we come comfortable with that. But there are other things that happen too. We no longer believe everything needs to be great in life, actually. We're not dependent on that. We learned that through Romans as well. We no longer need to worry about our current circumstances because our joy comes from the experience of knowing God's grace in our lives and that we've put our trust in Him and that we know our destiny, we know our future is with Him for eternity. There's a time coming when everybody will know that truth. In Philippians 2.8, where it sums up this again, it says, and being found, sorry, Philippians 2.8, and being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by coming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, that Jesus is that name. (laughs) Now if you don't know this experience of grace in your life, this joy that we talk about, then maybe this is the season where you can find this joy. And if you'd like to talk to one of us about it, we'd love to chat to you about it. But for those of us who have humbly come before our God and surrendered to him, I want to offer a word of encouragement as well. As Matt shared, you know, Jesus, oh yeah, Let's be reminded afresh of what he means to us. I must confess in recent times, I've often prayed that I might have joy in my life. But in some ways I've realised my prayer has been misplaced because what I'm praying for is happiness. (laughs) Because I'm a sort of person that tends to carry the world with me. And it worries me that people might think that I am burdened and troubled, but I'm not. (laughs) And so I'd like to look more joyful in that sense. But deep down, I am joyful. You know, 2020 has been a tough year for many, if not all of us. But one of the gifts of joy is it prepares us for times like this. 
and it points us to the future, just like the angels did. It prepares us and it points. In John 15 through 9 to 12, Jesus talked about joy joy, and about joy being complete in our lives. And then he does again in, in chapter 16. I'll read this one out of 15. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I've told you this so that my joy will be in you, that you may, your joy may be complete. And I've often wondered, what did that mean? Am I not happy enough? My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. You see, joy prepares us for the life ahead, the life that we have. The completeness of joy in our life is this, that the love of the Father has flowed to his Son and from his Son it's moved into our lives and that we can love as the Father loves. And it's only when we know the fullness of his grace in our life that we can love that way. You see, the great evidence of joy or of grace recognised or experienced in our life is not that I'm happy, it's that I have the capacity in love to love, no matter the circumstance, no matter the cost. That is to know joy completely. And then in John 16, Jesus says these words. Jesus saw and he's just said to them that he's about to die and he's about to leave them. And he says, in a little while you'll see me no more and then after a little while you'll see me. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman, just as a woman giving birth to a child has pain because the time has come that when that baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of the joy that a child is bought, that is born is into the world. Uh, she will, uh, so you, sorry, <clears throat> so you now is, same with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again. And this is the same for us. We will see Jesus again in the flesh, in in the spirit. And we will rejoice and no one will take your joy away. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. See, joy points us to the future, what's ahead. Joy is complete when we know in our lives the Father personally. This is what Jesus is saying to them. This would have been so foreign to them that they could personally, not going through high priests, 
not going through sacrifices, that they could personally know the Father because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And we can know the Father directly now. We can commune with him today and forever. And so the worries of today, the challenges of the year like 2020, fade just as when a mother gives birth to a child and forgets the pain because of joy. It's the fact that we have this fellowship now through grace with the Father. This, these, this evidence, the, uh, the cause of great joy, the Saviour in our lives, as announced by the angel, let's let that continue this year in our lives. Let us continue to love. Let us continue to live with joy. That is to show that grace, grace has been recognised in our lives. At the start I said... Um, what is it about these words? You know, it's funny, but this time of year, we pull them out, put them in the streets, put them on cards, put them on our mantelpieces. But when the season ends, we put them away. Why is that? I think in some ways it's symbolic that the world actually doesn't know what they mean. And more importantly, they don't know the name that's behind it. (laughs) And so the world goes out into the world knowing it's going to be absent of joy, love, peace, hope. But for us, (laughs) us who know, we can go on into this new year that's ahead of us with the joy knowing Jesus. I hope you have a great year, a great Christmas, and that this joy that uh, is spoken of in here would uh, be real in your lives. I'm going to ask Tim and the team to come and sing a song that we all know. Uh, It's hard not to say joy to the world. (laughs) We're going to sing that, this unspeakable joy. But as they prepare, I just want to read a psalm out to you a psalm that actually inspired Isaac Watts, who wrote this song. It's Psalm 98, and capture the spirit of this work of salvation, this joy. So Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp with the harp and the sounds of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Sound, shout for joy before the Lord the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. 
Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with inequity.